our entire lives are a series of choices. Um, actually, I'm not sure it just seems that way. I think it is that way. Think about your day so far. You had the choice of whether or not to get out of bed when you did. Some of you, I've at least one person across services this morning messed up the time change um, and admitted it. Now, there's possible, it's possible that other people have messed up the time change and just didn't admit it. But, you know, he rolled in and he was kind of like, I miss everybody. And he realized he was quite early for the service he normally attends. Um, but you had the choice of whether to get out of bed at the time you did or not this morning. You had the choice of eating breakfast or not eating breakfast. And if you ate, you had the choice of, uh, of what to eat based on what was in the fridge or the pantry or what was on your way to church this morning or whether you hoped there would still be donuts out there when you walked in the door. And, and you had that choice. You had the choice when you walked in whether you ate breakfast or not of whether to, to grab a donut or grab some coffee on your way through the door. You had the choice of whether or not to, to speak to anybody on your way in. You had a choice of where to sit. You had plenty of choices in late church. You chose whether or not you sang along as we worshiped in song together. You have the choice now to listen or to not listen to the message. And, and I skipped some choices that we've all had today, and, and that's where we're already at. You know, it, it's, it's just now noon, although that clock hasn't been fixed yet. That just threw me off. Um, it's just now almost noon here, and, and you've already had that many choices. How many more are you going to have the rest of the day? And so life really does seem to be a series of choices. Now, some of those choices are more important than others. You had a choice this morning of whether or not to stop at stop signs and red lights. That's a choice. Hopefully, you made the right one. That's, that's an important one. Your choice of, of maybe where to sit in this room, not as important. And yet, a lot of us struggle with all choices, whether they're big or small. For instance, it, it's natural to struggle with a choice between staying at your current job or, or moving to another one. That's a big change. That, that really affects all areas of your life. And so if you have a situation where you might be looking at changing jobs, there, there's a lot that goes into that. That, that might mean your, your finances change. That might mean you go a while without the income that you have from your current job. That might mean having to move. And, and so it's natural to struggle with a big choice like that. But a lot of us also struggle with choosing what we want to eat from a menu. And we act like it's the most agonizing process to figure out what to order at a restaurant. Like there are basically three kinds of people in this world. There are people who at any restaurant will basically order the same thing. Um, I, think, I think that's usually a kid thing. Some of us, that carries over to adult. When I, when I was a kid, I was ordering chicken tenders no matter where we were. And that's my, some of my kids are like that. Some of us didn't get over that as adults and we still... Everywhere we go, we're looking for that same thing that we love to eat, and it doesn't matter what kind of restaurant it is, or if they have it, I'm going to order it. The second group of people, they're people with only slightly wider horizons who order the same thing every time they go to one restaurant and the same thing at another restaurant, but it's not the same thing across restaurants. Like certain restaurants, I always get chicken. Certain restaurants, I always get the, you know, the tacos or whatever. And then the third category, which I like to think that I fall a little more into, are the people who get different things often or always, like who, who say, like, well, I've had that before, let me try something different. There are basically three groups of people. I don't know which one you fall into, no judgment. But a lot of us struggle with that kind of a decision. Even it's one meal, and we struggle to decide what to get. So choices, they're a part of life, but not always one we're good at handling. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about choices. 
or particular choices, in fact, that we need to make. And, and, and these are huge. These are not, what should I have for lunch choices. These are big. These will make a difference in our lives if we make the right choice. <clears throat> if we decide to make these choices, things will be different. I, I promise you that. And so to introduce today's choice, I, I want you to close your eyes for just a second. Do this for me. Close your eyes and imagine something with me. Imagine with me that everyone likes you. Everyone. You are, you are, for some reason, the most likable person. And everyone likes you. Everyone approves of you no matter what you do or what you say. Everyone just thinks you're awesome. There's never any conflict because everybody's just cool with the way that you are. And you don't have to change anything. The way that you are, everybody just loves you. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, enjoy this moment with your eyes closed because it will never, ever, ever happen. There are not many things that I would call impossible, but that's impossible. You can open your eyes if you want to, um, if you didn't. No matter what you do, you simply cannot please everyone. And if we think we can, we're living in a dream world. That being said, I want you to imagine with me again, and you don't have to close your eyes this time, but I want you to imagine with me something that I believe is both possible and something God desires of us. Imagine being so, confu- so consumed with following Jesus and pleasing God that the approval of others doesn't matter so much to us anymore. Imagine every day knowing that you have a purpose and it's found in Jesus, and if along the way people are bothered by who you are or how you function, as long as you're pursuing that purpose That doesn't bother you nearly as much as it normally would. Imagine being passionate about following Jesus and knowing that no matter what anybody else says or does, that's what you were created to do. That's what drives you, not the approval or the lack of approval from other people, but knowing that you're following God. Now that one's hard to believe is possible. It sounds great, but I believe that's what God wants from us. And so that is the first choice we need to make in this series, is to choose purpose over popularity. Which sounds great. But the problem is a lot of us choose the opposite a lot of the time. We care what people think about us. We want to know if people like us. We are concerned when people might be upset with this. I struggle with this one in a huge way. And if we hear that someone doesn't like us, look out because we we need to know why. We need to figure out how to change their opinion of us. And, and more times than not, we're going to say, well, it's their, they need, they're the ones that need to change. There's obviously nothing I've done wrong. But we worry about that. And you might say, well, that's not me. I don't really care what people think. Usually people who say, you know what, I don't care what people think, they actually do. They actually do. If that's you, I would reply, are you sure? Are, are you really sure? Because if you don't care what other people think, that makes you rare and special And I want to figure out how you function that way. Because I can learn from you. Absolutely. Most of us just cannot seem to get to the point where we really can function that way. And what a lot of this comes down to is not understanding the purpose of our lives. A lot of us, we we derive our purpose, we find our purpose in our station in life, in our place in this world. And a lot of that is based around what other people think. It's a natural process, but that doesn't make it right. And so our purpose in a lot of ways becomes popularity. And I know that's like a, a term that we typically associate with like, well, I was popular in high school, but, but we still care about the way that other people view us. 
We still care about that. And we care about what, what people think about us, and if, if we care uh, if people are impressed by our job, we care if people uh, are impressed by our spouse or our family or our kids, our house, our cars. We care if people approve of our choices. We, pe- we care if people like our Facebook and Instagram posts. We care about so much that really doesn't matter because we're convinced that it does matter and because we make it matter by the way that we function. And when that's how we function, when we care so much about what others think about us, we tend to forget about what God thinks about us, or we tend to forget that that matters more. And as long as we're consumed with approval from other people, it is impossible to truly live our lives in God's purpose for us. And so this is a necessary choice that we have to make. We have to to do one or the other here, because they can't coexist. You can't choose both. Let's look at someone in, in Scripture who made a choice. Moses. You've probably heard of Moses. And even though Moses is an Old Testament guy, he's actually written about quite a bit in the book of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament. And Moses has a pretty intense story. He was born at a time when it was decreed that he, as a male child, was to be killed uh, after birth, actually thrown into the Nile after birth. And his mother was unwilling to do that, and so she did put him in the Nile, but she put him in a basket and coated it so that it would stay waterproof and floated him down the river to protect him. And baby Moses was found by Pharaoh's daughter and was basically adopted into Pharaoh's family, the leader of Egypt, which happened to be the place where Moses' people, the Hebrews, were enslaved. And so Moses was technically born into slavery and poverty as a Hebrew child, but he ended up living in the palace. And when he came of age to make his own decisions, he had the choice between remaining as, as a, in place at, at the palace as a part of Pharaoh's family or going back to his people who at that point were still enslaved. And this is what we read in Hebrews chapter 11, and this is in your bulletin too if you want to follow along. This is what the writer of Hebrews wrote about Moses. And it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share in the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. He chose. He had a choice to make. And he made it, and in all honesty, it wasn't the easiest choice. It wasn't the choice a lot of people would have made in his position, absolutely. But it was the right choice. The palace was nice, and I know that doesn't probably do justice to the amazing way this palace was. But Moses' purpose was more important, and so he made the choice that needed to be made, even though it was hard. Now, I think it's important that we look a little bit deeper into this word purpose as we're using it today. Because I think sometimes the word purpose can be overwhelming. I think sometimes we're intimidated by it. And the reason is because we, we hear purpose and we think big things, huge things. And we often think, I have one big purpose. What's my one big purpose? And if we can't figure out what that one big thing is, then suddenly feel like we have no purpose. We kind of play this all-or-nothing game. It's got to be huge or I don't have a purpose. And we get lost and we say, what, what's the deal? But when actu- in actuality, when we talk about 
purpose like this, it's not necessarily one big thing. It's day after day, moment after moment, serving God's purpose for you. It's knowing that sometimes your purpose is to encourage someone. Some of you are very gifted at that. That's one of the purposes God has for you. It's knowing that sometimes your purpose is to give someone hope or to to meet someone's need or to give somebody a hug. What I'm really trying to say is that, that each of us in a lot of ways has the same purpose from day to day and that's to be willing and available for what God would have us to do. We get caught up saying, well, I, you know, I need this huge thing I have to do. I need this huge purpose. You know, God's going to call me to, to eliminate poverty in Winchester. And we try to look for that big thing, but what it really is is we need to be ready and willing to do whatever God calls us to do, which is not nearly as intimidating. And when we realize that that's our purpose, what happens is that we can walk more confidently in that purpose. We actually believe we're doing it. And we study scripture and we pray and we ask God to show us those opportunities to do what he wants us to do, to impact others the way he wants us to impact them. We were created to be instruments of God while we're here on earth. And and there's a ton of power in that purpose, in that very simply stated purpose. And so I want to share with you today three thoughts about the power of purpose what this really does for us. If we can figure this out, that this is our purpose, to be available for God, then this is what that does. The first one is this. It definitely diminishes distractions. Which is good, because we're super easily distracted. Every once in a while during this service, if somebody comes in late through the doors, um, I notice, because I'm easily distracted, and because I can see out the back windows. But you know what else happens every time? If I look too long out that back door, the rest of you start to do this. And you wonder what I'm looking at. Even though I keep talking, so I think that makes you more distractible than me because I can keep talking while I do that. But, but we're easily distracted. It doesn't seem to matter what we're doing, there's always something else we could be doing, right? But if we understand our purpose, one of the biggest distractions, popularity, the approval of others, becomes a lot less of a distraction. When we truly understand our purpose, all of those things pale in comparison. If we understand that our role is to be ready for God, if that means somebody else isn't happy with the way we're functioning, that's okay because God's happy with it. And we worry less about that, and it isn't as much of a distraction. There's a great story about this in the Old Testament. I have decided that this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've heard it several different times recently in sermons that I've heard and things like that. It's a story I don't think we tell enough, honestly. And it's in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Um, It's so good, I encourage you to read the whole thing. But to make a long story a little bit shorter, Nehemiah was upset that the walls of his city were broken down. Now, back then, most cities had a wall around them. It was a a, protection kind of thing, and it was important. And if you were still trying to live in a city with walls without the walls, that was a problem. And so Nehemiah was upset about that. His city needed its walls. And so he feels called to lead his people in the rebuilding of the walls around the city in the name of God. It's kind of their way of reclaiming the city for God. And so he takes on the job, which is, which is a solid purpose for sure. You know, here's something I can do for God. I'm going to rebuild the walls. That sounds like a great purpose. And so Nehemiah gets to work on this wall, and he, he's up a ladder or scaffolding or something. He's up on the wall working high. And these guys just start yelling at him. And they're telling him, 
how pointless this job is and how he's going to fail and how impossible it is to rebuild the wall and how pointless it is to rebuild the wall. These guys did not have God's purposes in mind. And they're yelling at Nehemiah and they're saying, this is, this is dumb, you're going to fail. Those are strong distractions. And those are honestly the kind of distractions we run into. In, in moments where we're really trying to accomplish something for God, where we're trying to make a change, where we're trying to do better, distractions tend to show up. But listen to what Nehemiah says, and this is what I love. In chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up doors in the gates. So Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? And so they send this messenger and they say, you've got to come down. There are more important things than what you're doing right now. And Nehemiah says, I'm busy. I'm engaged in a great work. So I can't come down. And I love that. Nehemiah legitimately says, I'm too busy to be distracted by you. I'm fulfilling God's purpose in this moment, and what you want from me would take me away from that, so no. I'm doing what I was made to do, and you're not going to stop me from doing this for any reason. And see, for a lot of us, we have great intentions about serving God. We have great intentions about staying on our purpose, fulfilling what God would have us to do, but we get easily distracted. We need to internalize this whole Nehemiah thing and keep telling ourselves, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. We are so easily convinced sometimes that what we're doing for God isn't that important or that it can wait, but we need to be faithful in the small things and the big things and over time we'll realize that we are fulfilling our purpose in Him. Have any of you been to one of your, your high school class reunions? You can actually answer this. Anybody been to a high school class reunion? Okay, some of you have. Cool. I was just curious. <clears throat> I graduated high school 12 years ago, which to me seems crazy because um, it doesn't seem that long ago. And I stay in touch with basically no one from high school. And I mean that. They're, it's very, very small as the group of people that I have any contact with from high school. Like a couple church friends, a few people, um, that I still play fantasy football with from when I was in high school. Actually, some of those are the same people. And so one of the best things about not living super close to my hometown is that it is super easy to not have to go to any kind of reunion or gathering. And some of you are like, I can't wait for my next reunion. I have no desire to be there. So for me, this is easy. Super easy. Because this is not, it's not really very, very you know, practical for me to go back for stuff like that. I'm also pretty sure the last reunion that my class had was held at a bar. Like, let's just, let's not leave any, they, they, their entire, and I'm, I'm saying this, their entire purpose for their, the reunion was to get together and drink, and that's just not me. And so for me, it's easy for, to say, I'm just not going to be there. And it's not that I wouldn't want to see people. There are probably a few people I wouldn't mind seeing. And, and it's not that I'm not proud of my life, because I am. I'd, I'd love to show off my wife and my kids and and talk about what I do, because I'm very honored to be, be doing what I do for God. I believe that what I do for a living is a huge portion of me fulfilling God's purpose for my life, and so I'd be more than happy to share that with people. But I also know that a lot of people wouldn't understand that. 
I've heard of pastors um, who, who've been asked, so when are you going to get a real job? And while I've never had it said, I know that something like that would inevitably come up at my class reunion. They'd be like, oh, you work at a church. Okay. There seems to be a large population of my, my graduating class that is very cold or even hostile to the idea of God. And I think they'd have the potential of placing some self-doubt in my mind. And I'm, I'm just being honest with you. That is one of my fears. And so I'd rather just stay here and say I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. This is where I believe God wants me to be right now. I don't need the distraction. But, but all that being said, if at some point in my life I felt God's call to go and to try to reach those same people, I would have to go. That's what I'd have to do. But for now, I can, I can take that Nehemiah response. I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. You see, sometimes when we're on this path, when we're trying to do what God has called us to do, it doesn't feel very big. It doesn't feel very monumental. It doesn't seem like a big deal at all. Being faithful to God in the little things is hugely important, but it also creates a situation where we can be easily distracted. But we must persevere. We must hold to that purpose because it absolutely will diminish distractions. And the second thing that purpose does is purpose pushes us through pain. It's a hard truth, but one we need to understand. When we are trying to live out God's purpose for our lives, there will always, always be people who don't understand. And there will always be situations that come up that could result in pain. Sometimes relationships have to change or end at least for a time, in order for us to stay on purpose. Sometimes people will, will turn their backs on us because of our unwillingness to stray from our purpose. My guess is there isn't anyone who has ever lived that lived their life on God's purpose and did not lose at least one friend in the process. I believe that. But my guess is if they were truly living God's purpose for their life, they continued to pray for that friend. And always left the possibility open that they too could come to Christ someday. Because that's what matters. When we're living out God's purpose for us, we hope and pray and strive to make sure that no one dies without knowing Jesus. And not everyone is receptive to that. And so there's pain in the process, but purpose is what pushes us through. And when we live our lives in such a way where we can truly say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing for God. This is how I'm supposed to be living. The the pain is there, but it doesn't stop us. In fact, it barely slows us down because of the purpose. (coughs) And the third thing, purpose empowers us to please God. Think back to Moses for a second. When Moses decided to go back to his people, He faced opposition. He faced distractions. He faced pain. He faced all those things. Do you think anybody thought he was making the right choice? I think even his people would have to say, listen, we've always been a little jealous of you living in the palace, but are you crazy? Stay there. It doesn't make sense to walk out of the palace to go live in a tent. It doesn't make any sense. And so Moses, he faced all of those things, the distractions, the opposition, even the pain. But through all of that, his purpose pushed him forward. His purpose empowered him to move forward. Why? Because he knew that's where God needed him. He knew that that's what God had called him to do. And he lived to please his God. Not his people, not his adopted people, not Pharaoh himself. 
It's like the story in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John and some of the other apostles were, were preaching about Jesus to the people. And they were healing in his name. And of course, when all of that's going on, a large crowd gathers. And before long, those who weren't so cool with what they were doing found out. And they ended up getting in trouble for what they were doing. And Peter and John were brought before the council of all the rulers and the elders and the teachers of religious law. And they were called on the carpet for all this that they'd been doing in the name of Jesus. We read in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. These are the, the leaders. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them to never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But listen to what they said. Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. When those in power tell you to stop and you simply reply you can't and you won't, you know that your purpose is empowering you to move forward. And I love that question that Peter and John turn around on these guys. I love the question. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Is that what you're trying to say? I see, when you're fulfilling God's purpose for you, when you're serving him daily, he's who you live to please, not man, but God. And they say, listen, you want us to do what you want us to do. But if that's in contradiction to what God has called us to do, too bad. We're going with God. <coughs> they seem to have an issue with the name of Jesus back then. Sound familiar? But if we're living out God's purpose for our lives, it doesn't matter who doesn't want to hear the name of Jesus. We need to be the ones saying it. I want to be like Peter and John. We can't help but talk about it. You see, what happens is we get really hung up on people-pleasing. And I get that because I struggle with that. I like to be liked. I think we all like to be liked. I've never met somebody who can honestly say, I do not care if people like me. On some level, you do. <coughs> and I like to make people happy. I do. But sometimes that's just not possible. And if the choice is to make people happy or to please God, we have to choose pleasing God. It may be difficult and there may be distractions. And it may be painful. In fact, it will be at some points. But God has called us to do so much more than please people. Living to please people keeps you from your purposes of God for your life. And here's the truth. You can't please everyone, but you can please God. I'm going to do the thing that's actually possible. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? You can't please everyone, but you can please God. So why not do what's possible in that situation? And I won't always be perfect at it, and sometimes I'll get distracted, but I believe it's what God wants from me and wants from you. And so that's our choice. That's our choice today and every day, to please people or to please God. And I think for us, what that may come down to is internalizing and deriving inspiration from those two amazing statements. When Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm on my purpose. And when Peter and John said, we cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. 
if somewhere down the line someone can look at my life or your life and see those two ideas, those two phrases at work in our lives and see that we stayed the course when it came to our purpose in God, that's the goal. That's who we need to be as followers of Jesus. That's the choice we need to make. Let's pray. God, we are so, so easily distracted from what you'd have for us. My guess is one of the devil's most successful tools is the art of distraction. Because every time we decide we're going we're gonna to start anew, we're going to follow God more closely, we're going we're gonna to study the scriptures more, we're going to pray more, we're going to go to church more. We make some declaration to God, God, I'm not going to miss miss a single Sunday at church this month. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to read the whole book of Proverbs this month. I'm going to, I'm going to meet a need in the life of anybody I see that needs, that has something to need. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to invite somebody to church this month. Every time we, we make some statement like that, I believe that we have good intentions, but I also believe that that's when the distractions come up. God, we're so susceptible to them. <clears throat> but I pray that instead of making declarations like that, where we say, this is what I'm going to do, God, that instead we would say, whatever you'd have for me, that's what I want to do. And that every day we would make the decisions that we need to make to stay on track with your purpose for us. And God, even if that purpose is simply to be available and willing to do whatever you'd have us to do, I pray that we would live in that purpose. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's not going to be very fun. But I pray that you give us the power, the boldness, the perseverance that we need to fulfill that purpose for you. God, that's, that's why we're here, to serve you. I pray that we would do that every day with our lives. God, I pray that you bless our time as we move into this time of communion. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing another song together, and as we do that, we're going to invite you to come and take communion with us. The bread is there to represent the body of Jesus, and the the cup is there to represent his blood. And so whenever you're ready, we invite you to come and take.